Welcome back to Sports Talks with D. Crom. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, David Cromolo, and I would like to wish a happy Hanukkah to all celebrating. And we are down to the final three weeks of the 2017 NFL season, and the road to Super Bowl 52 took yet another unpredictable turn this past week. The turn consisted of devastating injuries and poor performances, resulting in a more wide-open race for potentially both the NFC and AFC titles. And our good friend Hal Bent, NFL and Patriots writer for Cover32.com, MusketFire.com, and Scout Media, is here to help us analyze where it all stands right now and where it's likely heading in the National Football League. How's it going, Hal? I'm doing great. Happy Hanukkah, David. Thank you very much, Al. Appreciate it. And I'm going to say Merry Christmas next week so you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Yes, I'm not the politically correct person, but uh, thank God Christmas and Hanukkah occurred on separate days this year, so we didn't have to say both at the same time. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) All right, enough enough religious talk. Uh, Back to football here. What were your big takeaways from Week 14, Hal? Well, um, like you had mentioned, the, the races, definitely there were some swings in some directions we didn't expect, which I guess the unexpected has been the expected every week in the NFL. Um, but, uh, you know, again, for the big games I was looking for, where was the defense? Pittsburgh, Baltimore, the Rams, Philadelphia, Carolina, Minnesota, New England. These teams couldn't stop anybody, and these are supposed to be some of the top defenses in the NFL, and you could throw Seattle in there against Blake Bortles. Was it a one-week blip, or are we looking at more of an offensive explosion in the playoffs this year? It's going to be very interesting coming down the stretch here. It most certainly is, and uh, let's talk about uh, things to expect going down the stretch here with uh, three more games left for each team. And I alluded to devastating injuries, and yet another devastating injury in this season full of devastating injuries to star players happened last week. I was so, so sad about it. Yes, the Steelers-Ravens game after this particular game was enjoyable, but this was lingering like a cloud over that game, at least for me. Carson Wentz tearing his ACL after an MVP caliber season. He is out for the year. And yes, although I do think Nick Foles is an efficient backup and the Eagles could potentially still have home field throughout the playoffs, I don't consider them the favorites in the NFC anymore, minus Carson Wentz. And with Wentz out for the season, who would you say is the favorite to win the NFC championship right now? You know, I a week ago, I would have said Minnesota. <laughs> Now I'm looking at, is it Carolina? Is it the Rams? I mean, the, the Rams showed a lot of toughness as well, hanging in this week. They they looked like you kept waiting to write them off in that game, and they just kept bouncing back. Um, you know, the Eagles, they, they lost the dynamic offense, but they, they still have that defensive front seven, which is ferocious. They still have that strength strong, powerful running game, and they've got their secret weapon, Jake Elliott, to pull out a close game in the end. It's not going to be easy. They're still in the mix, but right now I think we're swinging towards Minnesota or the Rams as the two of the top teams to, uh, you know, whoever gets that second seed in that bye may have that advantage uh, in the NFC now. True, or we could be looking at a team that gets hot at during this particular time and continues that momentum in the playoffs like a Seattle or Carolina, which had a very impressive win over the Vikings last week or the New Orleans Saints who could get back on track 
or even the Atlanta Falcons if they parlay last week's win against the Saints into a four-game winning streak that puts them at the top of their division. It could go any way in the NFC. And just a curious question. Uh, I, I tweeted on Sunday that I was very worried that because of the injury of Carson Wentz, the NFC playoffs are not going to be uh, that fun to watch and the games might not be that competitive. What do you think? Oh, no, I, I think they're still going to be competitive. Um, those teams are all evenly stacked. If anything, I think it makes it more exciting in that where the Eagles were the clear favorites and ab- over everyone as everything was coming through Philadelphia They've settled down to the pack a little bit more. And you've got, like you said, you've got seven teams you're trying to cram into six spots in the playoffs. And all of them could easily get hot and make a run here in the playoffs. And it's not going to be the best team over the first 16 games. Like you alluded to, it's going to be the hottest team coming into January and February. That's going to emerge from the NFC. It's going to be interesting indeed, and let's hope uh, you're proven right about the playoffs. And how far do you think the Eagles can go with Nick Foles at the helm? Well, they can make it to the Super Bowl. Again, They the defense certainly didn't show up against the Rams, but I think they're a better defense than that. Um, and, you know, you still have that three-headed rushing attack that can, if Foles can manage the game, you know, take advantage of some of those explosive players on the offense. You know, he doesn't have a big arm. He's not athletic like Wentz. But if he can just do enough to win those close games, keep it close, and leave it up to Jake Elliott at the end of the game with a clutch kick, you know, there's no reason that the Eagles can't be right in the mix with everyone else. I completely agree, uh, and the fact that they were able to hang in there and win that game against the Rams after the Wentz injury spoke volumes about the depth of that roster. And let's talk about your New England Patriots for a minute, because they absolutely looked terrible last night against the Miami Dolphins, as they were humbled by the Miami Dolphins in a 27-20 to loss, although the score wasn't as close as the game, um, as the game tape showed. Uh, how concerned should Patriots fans be based on last night? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly do they need home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs? Well, the Patriots definitely, you know, 10 out of 10 on home field advantage. This team, um, you know, basically, if they're on the road in the AFC championship game, historically they've lost. If they're at home, they win. That's the way that this team is. So, the Patriots desperately need to have that home field advantage. They can't let that slip from their grasp and, you know, let the surprising Jacksonville Jaguars sneak in and grab that number two seed away from them. So that is a key. And should Patriots fans be concerned? Yes. The Dolphins hit every button. They were the aggressive team, the faster team, the more physical team in the trenches. They overpowered the Patriots. They hit Tom Brady You know, they took away the middle of the field, the easy throws, and they forced the Patriots to look uncomfortable on both sides of the ball, which is something that doesn't happen very often. Whether it's a learning experience and they turn it around, we'll see because they've got a short turnaround before they're playing Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. And that game could determine who gets that number one seed in the AFC. And it's going to be even more important than I anticipated. And we will get to that game in a moment. But let's talk about the other AFC team that no that nobody has been talking about that much until now. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They made an absolute statement against the Seattle Seahawks last Sunday. 
And the statement was not just they won, but how they won. Blake Bortles. Yes, uh, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor weren't there, but he looked amazing in that second half. Blake Bortles is playing some of his best football I've ever seen him play. And if he could keep up this efficient, mistake-free uh, level of play, do you think the Jaguars have to be talked about as legitimate Super Bowl contender? Definitely. I mean, we've been saying all year that, you know, if Bortles simply gets out of the way, the Jaguars have a chance in the playoffs because that defense is so good. There's so much pass rush pressure in that front four. There's, you know, um, that secondary ball hawking unit that can turn the game, shut down top wide receivers. That defense is just so strong that if they can run the ball with Fournette, Bortles can make a few Good, you know, uh, don't turn the ball over. Make a few big plays down the field. You saw that that 75-yard bomb to the rookie uh, wide receiver Keelan Cole was a beautiful pass. Yeah. You know, it like I, you know, I, I looked at him and I said, my gosh, he looks like you know Joe Flacco 2012. Here he comes, getting hot at just the right time. If something like that happened, we've seen it before in the past with Eli uh, Manning and the Giants. We saw it. Um, with Joe Flacco, a hot quarterback with a strong defense is almost unstoppable in the playoffs. And it's can Bortles continue this momentum? Can he be that hot quarterback to steal a Super Bowl for Jacksonville? And if he can be, or at least play at like 75% of what he was against the Seahawks on Sunday, the Jaguars are a dangerous, dangerous team in the playoffs. And uh, I also alluded to the NFC South, and that division is still up for grabs, given the fact that the Carolina Panthers looked impressive with a victory over the previous number one seeded Minnesota Vikings, and the Atlanta Falcons knocked off the New Orleans Saints with some impressive defense, especially by Deion Jones. Uh, so, uh, yes, the Saints do have a two-game, uh, still a a one-game lead, essentially, out of the Panthers. Even though they have the same records, they own the tiebreaker, but the Saints, I think they should beat the Jets this week, but next week they play the Falcons at, at home, and, uh, and, I, and I think the Falcons, I still uh, would be a little nervous about that game if I, I was the Saints because I think that division is still very much up for grabs. Ed, do you think so, and who would you say is the favorite right now? Oh, I think Carolina has to be the favorite. Um, you know, Cam Newton just keeps doing it one way or the other. You're not sure if it's going to be his feet one week, his arm the next week. Um, but he's, you know, back to making plays like he was 2015 Cam Newton again. And and that's given that team a boost. They still have that strong defense that's been rebuilt. Carolina's tough. Atlanta has that championship pedigree. There's been so many chances that they've had to just pack it in this season and say, well, you know what? We're not going to make it this year. We had a good run last year. Let's focus on next year. And they keep coming back week after week after week. You count them out. They come back. You count them out. They come back. They keep pulling out these wins. And like you said, you know, they're. Their chances are in their hands, and that's all a team can ask for coming down the stretch any season is that, you know, you win, you'll get yourself in, and, and that's what they've got a great chance to do. But three teams, I'm not ready to count the Saints out. You know, it looks like Alvin Kamara could be back from that uh, scary concussion this week as well. So, you know, three great teams, flip a coin. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to the wire, I think, on all three. It most definitely is, and as you mentioned, the Atlanta Falcons control their own destiny 
toward the uh, NFC South division title, toward their second in, in two years back-to-back. They uh, play the Buccaneers this week, and then they host, and then they travel to New Orleans to play the Saints, and then host the Panthers to close out the season. If they win all three, they win the division. It is still anybody's division in the NFC South. And speaking of divisional races, one could potentially be decided this week on Saturday as the red-hot Los Angeles Chargers, who started 0-4, have won seven of their last nine games are now tied with the Kansas City Chiefs for first place in the AFC West, travel to Arrowhead Stadium to play the Chiefs on Saturday night. And last week, the Kansas City Chiefs got a much-needed win against the Oakland Raiders last Sunday. What was the key to the Chiefs getting back on track last week, and what do they need to do even better to get a much-needed win against the Chargers this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, one big thing was they were playing the Raiders, and that defense was porous for sure. And they've actually they actually missed opportunities in that game where where they should have been up, you know, thirty eight to nothing after three quarters. But they got Kareem Hunt involved in the offense early, which helped get the Raiders' attention onto the running back, opened up the passing game. Andy Reid, all his little tricks and gadgets seem to work this week, which is what happens when the team can pound the football regularly. And so you got to see Kareem Hunt get over 1,000 yards rushing for his rookie season. That was huge. And you can't discount as well on the other side of the football where Kansas City was able to generate pass rush pressure, which they haven't done. And even without Peters with his one-game suspension for his tantrum the week before, even without him, they took away the passing game because of that pressure up front. Specifically, young defensive end Chris Jones had a great game. He was he looked unblockable in that first half. Oakland had no answers for him. He was in the backfield every play, crushing car, leading to throws that were picked off. It was a huge performance by the Chiefs' uh, front four there as a unit, and that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to keep that defensive pressure up with that front four. They're going to have to keep running the football to open up the passing game, let their motion and tricks and everything work that way and get everything rolling that way. That's what they're going to have to do this week against San Diego and going forward if they're going to push their way into the playoffs in the AFC. You said San Diego again, but I'm not going to fault you. Oh, Troy Aikman said it again. So, uh, <laughs> But they are the Los Angeles Chargers right now. And until they move elsewhere, we're going to have to eventually get used to saying that. Just a friendly warning to you there, Hal. And I'm, uh, you mentioned Kareem Hunt, and I completely agree. Kareem Hunt was finally playing like the guy we saw the first five, six, seven weeks of the season. Uh, that uh, guy who could get you 100 all-purpose yards per game, uh, and, and the Chiefs need Kareem Hunt badly because Alex Smith, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, they can't carry the offense themselves. They need a running game or else uh, it's going to be easier for defenders to take them away. And and getting a talent like Kareem Hunt more involved is exactly what the Chiefs had to do. And I think getting Kareem Hunt involved is going to be even more important this week against that ferocious Chargers pass rush with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram because what is the best way to tire out a pass rush? Run the football. They're going to have to run Kareem Hunt early and often in that game. And if you look at the Chargers, Keenan Allen has been a monster this year. Like how many straight games has he had over 100 yards? It's like an NFL record streak, Cal? Oh, he's been amazing, you know, and I'm 
thanking the football gods that I've picked him in almost every fantasy football league this year and uh, <laughs> got him at a good deal in most of them as well. And, and yeah, and, and again, I, I, I refuse to, oh, San Diego, please l- keep him in San Diego. I, I, I still <laughs> holding out hope that the Chargers go back. And this Los Angeles yeah. experiment is a, is a I don't blame you. And that, and that wonderful, you know, the San Diego Superchargers song from the 80s. You, you just yeah. can't let that go. That's just too important. <laughs> I, I agree. I think they should eventually move back to San Diego. But back to uh, Kareem Hunt and Keenan Allen. Like, those two players, I think, are going to be the most important to their respective offenses this week. Uh, which player do you think is more important to their team, Keenan Allen or Kareem Hunt? Oh, uh, Keenan Allen. You know, the only way the charge, you know, the Chargers – They've been able to run the ball some, but when when Allen is on, when they're feeding him the football, and, and you've seen him, especially the last four weeks, you know, the targets, you know, when they get him those double-digit targets, that's when that offense goes. And, and when they get shut down is when teams try to take away Allen. So they just don't have enough weapons in the passing game that are developed. They have some exciting speed, youth, Possession receivers, but not that, not that consistent threat like Keenan Allen, a healthy Keenan Allen is, and he's definitely the most important uh, player. I think Kansas City, if they, you know, you saw against the Jets two weeks ago, they put up 30 points while somehow running the ball. What, what Hunt get nine carries or some ridiculously low number? Yes. So they they have the weapons that they could do it without him. The, the Chargers go as Keenan Allen goes. Very good point, although I think both of those players are going to be as important, arguably, in this particular game. And what matchup do you think decides the outcome of Saturday's AFC West battle? It, it's going to be that running game. The, the, you know, it's going to be if Kansas City can get Hunt going early, because if the Chargers can get up and stuff him, you know, one of the one of the things we've seen Kansas City do, like I just alluded to in that Jets game, is they give up on that running game too early if it's not effective. So San Diego, that defensive line, they have to fill the gaps. They have to be very proficient with their technique, and they have to make sure that they're in position, that they're not giving up any big runs, because once they get once Kansas City's emboldened with Hunt breaks off one big 20-yard-plus run, they're going to keep feeding them, and that's the best thing for their offense. So San Diego, that defensive line has got to win some individual battles up front. I completely agree. And another key matchup for the Chiefs' uh, offense is going to be their tackles. Uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz going against Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram because if uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are able to rattle Alex Smith, the Chiefs are going to be in big trouble, in my opinion. Uh, Who do you think wins? Um, I'm picking the Chargers. I think they'll pull this one out on the road. It's tough to play on in Kansas City in prime time, but I'm going to take the Chargers 24 to 20. I like the Chargers too. They were my pick to win the AFC West, and I'm definitely not turning my back on them now. Chargers win by a score of 27 to 24. And the Patriots take it on the Steelers at the big ketchup bottle Heinz Field on Sunday afternoon in a game that if the Steelers win, they the Steelers would be the AFC's number one seed and the Patriots would be fighting for the right to even have a bye in the final couple of weeks. But looking at this game, I see a big opportunity for the Patriots. If you saw the Ravens just absolutely run the rock down the throats of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Alex 
Alex Collins, he looked like Barry Sanders in that game for crying out loud. I, I, I don't mean to, uh, as, that is an insult to Alex Collins. Uh, I'm, uh, he, Alex is a very good player, but, uh, but he did look like a Hall of Famer uh, in that game, and that's uh, and, and that's saying something. And I think the big reason why the Ravens uh, ran the ball so well against Pittsburgh is because of the absence of Ryan Chazier. Chazier, in my opinion, is the linchpin of that defense. He calls all the plays. He um, he is crucial in run defense and equally as crucial in coverage. And without it, that middle of the field is just wide open. And uh, would you expect the Patriots to run the ball more than usual, given the, the Steelers' struggles in run defense without Chazier? Oh, definitely. I mean, the New England has, unlike the previous years with LeGarrette Blunt, they're going with mainly Deion Lewis as the lead back and Rex Burkhead. Nobody's going to mistake those as big, powerful running backs. They're shiftier. They're hiding behind that offensive line and making that one-cut-and-go style of run. And so with somebody like Ryan Shazier and his sideline to sideline speed, he can negate those kind of running backs. And with Vince Williams in the middle, again, that's, you know, nothing to take away from Vince Williams, who's a very good player. But, you know, he's handling, you know, getting the team in position. You're going to see New England with more of a hurry up offense to try to take advantage of getting Pittsburgh out of position. They've been doing that for the last 15 years. They're not going to stop this week for sure. And so extra pressure on the middle of the field. The Patriots were running the football up until whatever happened on Monday night. So you saw at the two previous games, a lot of Deion Lewis running the football. And I think the Patriots, just like you alluded to, are going to come out and force the Steelers to come up and stop the run. And if they don't, they'll just keep pounding that ball and playing off of that play action with Rob Gronkowski back at tight end. Oh, oh, most definitely. And you mentioned the one cut and go style. That's exactly what Alex Collins did to the Steelers on Sunday night. He just um, uh, made one cut and ran outran everybody to the perimeter. And those are runs that both Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead are capable of making. And uh, the Steelers could be in for a long day if uh, they don't stop that run early on Sunday. And uh, focusing on the Patriots and what they have to do defensively, you know Belichick is obviously going to try to take away or severely restrict Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, although even with uh, Bill Belichick coaching this particular unit that's been up and down this season, it's much easier said than done. And But let's say the Patriots are successful in restricting both Bell and Brown. And under that scenario, who do you think the Steelers will look to in order to make those, pl- those big plays that they need to win? Martavis Bryant or Juju Smith-Schuster, who returns after his one-game suspension? Yeah, I'm not big on Martavis Bryant. You know, he's been so inconsistent. He still has too many drops. They've got to go to Smith-Schuster. And also, you're going to look at tight end Jesse James. Um, A lot of teams have been using their tight ends effectively against the Patriots. There's been a little letdown in, in coverage skills for Patrick Chung this year at strong safety. Teams have been taking advantage of that. With the tight end position, the Dolphins did that with Julius Thomas, who's a shell of his former self, on Monday night as well. So look for Pittsburgh to to be looking to Juju and for uh, the outlaw Jesse James at tight end to try to exploit some holes in the New England coverage. Or they could also do like a lot of two tight end sets with Jesse James and Vance McDonald ripping apart the seams. They could use both of them in in Sunday's game. Great point there, definitely. 
And that's also, you know, two tight end with uh, Le'Veon Bell on the field. You just, you know, you got one extra blocker there. He's not going to complain about that. Um, you definitely know that. And looking at this game, uh, this could be a game that could come down to whoever has the ball last. And what do you think will be the deciding factor in this game? Um, it, it's going to come down to, you know, that New England rush defense. Uh, Kenyon Drake ripped them apart last night on the ground. Um, you know, you can't be playing defense like that heading into the face levy on Bell. Uh, the Patriots have been without their top uh, interior run stopper for this entire, from 2016, and Vincent Valentine, who had a great rookie season as a run stuffer in the middle. Um, now they've got injuries as well um, on that defensive line as well. So if Le'Veon Bell, he was a little gimpy the other day, but if he's healthy, he's going to be able to try to take advantage of an injured Allen Branch. That's 350 pounds less clogging up the middle of the uh, defensive line for the Patriots. If he's not able to go, the Steelers, they can get running the ball. They can keep the Patriots offense on the sideline. That's how they're going to make sure that they make enough plays and, and pull it out. Yes, and another deciding factor I see is which of these two defenses is able to force turnovers because uh, turnovers, as they say, are the great equalizer in this game. And with both of these defenses uh, struggling as of late, uh, I believe w whichever defense forces that key turnover could be the difference in this game. And who do you have winning this oh-so-important game, which could very well decide the number one seed in the AFC? I've got Pittsburgh pulling it out, having the ball last 27-24. Late field goal pulls it out for the Steelers. I don't want to lose faith in the Patriots. I pick your Patriots to win their sixth franchise Lombardi trophy, and I'm not quitting on them now. Getting Rob Gronkowski back is going to be huge, and having him, Rex Burkhead, Deion Lewis against the Ryan Chazierless Pittsburgh defense will be enough to win a shootout. And plus, the Steelers are absolutely a mess at corner. Brandon Cook should have a good game as well, and Chris Hogan should have a good game as well uh, because he looked healthy uh, the other night. And with the Patriots offense at full strength, they win in a shootout by a score of 42-35. to 35. And another game that could decide a division. The Los Angeles Rams traveling to Seattle to face the Seahawks. And both teams coming off uh, dreadful losses this past week with the Rams losing that heartbreaker against the Eagles and the Seahawks getting their uh, lunch handed to them by the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And when you look at this game, this has another is another potential offensive shootout given the injuries on both sides of the ball. If you look at the Seahawks, uh, there are two big linebackers, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, are hurt right now. KJ Wright is with hurt with a concussion. Uh, Bobby Wagner with a elbow or shoulder, I believe. So both are questionable headed into the week. But the Rams, they lost Kayvon Webster for the season due to a ruptured Achilles, and their and their corners are like. Uh, Aside from Trumay Johnson, who made one of the dumbest penalties of the season last week, by the way, uh, their corners are uh, are a mess. Uh, so looking at this game, it's anybody's game. It could uh, be another game of whoever has the ball last. And should the Rams be as concerned with their depleted cornerback depth chart as the Seahawks should be with the potential absence of both Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright? Because I think both offenses have the weapons to exploit those weaknesses. Yeah, for for what would, it looked like it was going to shape up to be a defensive battle, those injuries, you know, 
you you can't minimize the importance of Bobby Wagner to Seattle, especially with all those injuries they already have in the secondary. He's been taking over as the leader of that defense now. It's not the Legion of Boom. It's the Bobby Wagner show on defense, and that's such a huge loss if he's not able to play on Sunday. And the Rams as well. I mean, Seattle, they're not, they're not, they don't have the greatest wide receivers stats-wise, but they have so many players who are so quick, so fast down the field that they can instantly turn anything into a deep pass, an explosive play, a matchup problem. And as you indicated with Webster out, uh, we don't know if Trumaine Johnson's going to be uh, ready. He's questionable. He's oh, in the concussion protocols yes. as well. So, you know, that would really be limiting that Rams defense there. And, and like you said, I mean, this could just be a track meet up there uh, in Seattle on uh, Sunday. Yes. And looking after this game, uh, uh, the Rams currently at nine and four Seahawks eight and five, but if the Seahawks win, they will, would own the tiebreaker and slide into first place ahead of the Rams. Uh, so uh, and if you look at their final two games after this week, the Seahawks, uh, I believe uh, Dallas, uh, and uh, they, I, uh, they play, they host Arizona. Uh, I believe in, uh, no, that's in week 17 and the Seahawks, uh, God, oh God, who, I, I, Dallas. Oh, oh yeah, they, they play the, they play the Cowboys in, in, in Dallas week 16 and in week 17, they host the Cardinals and the Rams, they travel to Tennessee and then, uh, close out the season at home against the San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, given the schedules of both those teams going forward, how likely is it that the winner of this game wins the NFC West. Oh, definitely. I mean, this is this is huge. You know, the the Rams need to hold off the Seahawks. You know, just to um, just to give themselves that feeling of uh, power heading into the playoffs. The last thing you want to do is have two losses to your division rival and have to sneak in as a wild card after being on top of the division all year. Um, the Seahawks, they're going to get the Ezekiel Elliott game in Dallas. That's going to be tough to overcome for them, especially coming off of such a huge game this week. Um, Tennessee, tough defense, not really worried about that offense for the Rams. Um, you know, then they've got future Hall of Famer Jimmy Garoppolo in the final <laughs> game of the season. So that one might be the tough one there. But um, I, I think you're right. This game's going to, this is the game that's going to decide who's on top in the, in the NFC West. I completely agree. And uh, what do you think will be the deciding factor in this particular game? It's really going to come down to which defense can make that key stop, whether it's a turnover, whether it's, you know, a couple of big plays to force a force a punt late. I think there's going to be a lot more scoring, as I had indicated, uh, than I had initially thought. We might see the game up into the 30s with these depleted defenses. Um, that's that's really the way I, I think it's going to have to be. It's going to be the track meet and Maybe another case of whoever's got holding the ball last. And, you know, you've got Mr. Fourth Quarter over there in Seattle as well, which makes it hard to pick against them. I completely agree. Who do you have winning? Uh, I, I think it's going to be Seattle. I think this is where they take over the NFC West. I've got them 38 to 34 over the Rams. I completely agree with Russell Wilson 
Um, being Mr. Fourth Quarter, as you said, and this game likely coming down to who has the ball last, I will take the Seahawks in that regard as well. And that should get them into first place for good in the NFC West. And he is Hale Bent, ladies and gentlemen, NFL and Patriots writer for musketfire.com, cover32.com, and Scout Media. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. And Hal, we thank you so much yet again for joining us to preview another exciting week in the NFL. But you know the drill. Before we go, we have to do our rapid fire segment and pick the rest of the games in week 15 starting with the thursday night doozy between the colts and broncos oh gosh i think this is gonna come down to you know indianapolis uh they're happy to be out of the cold and into the dome you know i denver looked like they had a plan for their coach's job last week but i'm gonna take indy in a low scoring 16 to 13 win over the broncos it's a toss-up. It's a flip a coin game, but I, I, I'm gonna, for just for the sake of pride, I'm gonna go with my Broncos to win 17 to 13. But like I said, it's a toss-up game. Don't be surprised either way. Uh, the other game on Saturday, the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky, who looked very good last week, traveling to Detroit to face the Lions, who are fighting for their playoff lives. Yeah, I I was really impressed. Detroit pulled that out with Matthew Stafford less than 100. percent They've got their whole season on the line. They're at home. They don't win this week. They don't deserve it. I see them pulling it out 19 to 16 over the Bears. I see the Lions winning a close one as well. The Packers and will Aaron Rodgers play or will he not play? It is so far not looking too good because the Packers like to play it safe with such injuries. Uh, in the fight for their playoff lives against the Carolina Panthers, who are within striking distance of winning the NFC South. Who do you got there? Uh, I've liked what I saw out of Jonathan Stewart drinking out of the um, Fountain of Youth last week for Carolina. I've got them 27-24 over Green Bay, no matter who's a quarterback. Yeah, I got the Panthers at a close one as well. The Minnesota Vikings looking to get back on trap, hosting Mike Zimmer's former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I, I, I don't see the Bengals hanging with Minnesota. They should have a pretty easy win. Um, as long as their offensive line holds up, they've been a little bit shaky there these last couple weeks, but they should have enough to pull it out over Cincinnati, 27-13. to 13. I agree. I like Minnesota as well. The New York Jets and Bryce Petty traveling to the Superdome to take on the Saints. I think this is an easy one for the Saints. Do you? Definitely, especially with Alvin Kamara expected back and Josh McCown out with a broken hand that's, you know, for the Jets, that little glimmer of hope gone. Um, probably going to have low spirits on the road. Saints 31 to 16. Yes, I agree. And the Miami Dolphins coming off that win against the Patriots last night, traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills, who are still fighting for a playoff position. Yeah, the Bills that. I don't know who's going to play quarterback, you know, <laughs> down to Joe Webb there at the end of that last game in the snowstorm. So um, I, I like what I saw out of Miami, but, you know, that was their Super Bowl against New England. Teams tend to have a little letdown after a game like that. And uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo pulling it out 20 to 13. Yeah, Sean McDermott has gotten the absolute most out of that um, um, supposedly ho-hum roster uh, in Buffalo, and he, I believe, is going to keep them fighting until the very end, even if they do not make the playoffs. I like Buffalo to keep their playoff hopes alive with a win over the Dolphins. The Baltimore Ravens traveling to take on the Browns. Ravens should have beat the Steelers last week, but I think they got back on track here with a much-needed win that puts them in position for that sixth spot. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the Browns blew there. I, I think that was their last chance for a win this season. So Hugh Jackson, 1-28 in counting. Should be an easy win for Baltimore. I have them 24 to nothing over Cleveland. Yes, and those Jacksonville Jaguars can clinch their first playoff berth in 10 years with a win on Sunday at home over TJH of the Houston Texans. You think they got it? I think they get it, and they get it easily. It's all going to be watching that game is all about seeing if Blake Bortles, like we talked about, can play that hot quarterback role coming down the stretch into the playoffs. Jacksonville 27-10 to 10 over Houston. Yes, and he might not need to in this particular game. The <laughs> Eagles um, and Nick Foles, uh, they got their schedules easy. They face the New York Giants this week at MetLife. You think the Eagles pull it out? Oh, easily. I have them 31 to 14. You know, it was a nice little Eli Manning story in the first half of the game uh, last week, but Dallas just pulled away and finished off the Giants easily, and I think they just go down with a whimper. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yes. The Giants are tanking. They don't, They want one of the first two picks of this year's NFL draft. They want to select their quarterback of the future. They're going to uh, they're going to come out for a little bit and then disappear. Eagles should win that game. Uh, Cardinals and Redskins, who do you got? Yeah, the, the Cardinals is showing a little spunk here at the end. You know, there was a little talk about Bruce Arians' job being up in the air. Um, Redskins put three more guys, including Jordan Reed, on injured reserve. That team is just, you know, coming off the rail, uh, falling apart here at the end. Arizona 24-20 over the Redskins. Yeah, I like Arizona, too, especially with uh, how Blaine Gabbert has played. He's played very well for Bruce Arians uh, in uh, his stead as Cardinal starter. But will it be enough to be starter next year? We shall see. The Tennessee Titans, those struggling Tennessee Titans who have somehow, someway won eight games this year, traveling to San Francisco to take on red-hot Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Uh, I think the Titans are reeling, and I think the 49ers... Uh, stay hot and win this one, dealing a lethal blow to the Titans' playoff hopes. What do you think? I'm all behind Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm telling you that. I've got San Francisco pulling it out as well. As much as I love the Tennessee defense, that's the one part of that team that has not been falling apart. The offense, definitely. Marcus Mariota's taken a huge step back this year. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo, 66% completion rate, 215 yards a game, nine yards per pass attempt, 93 quarterback rating, San Francisco 23, Tennessee 20. I agree. And the Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys still in the mix for a playoff spot at seven and six, taking on the Oakland Raiders fighting for their playoff folks at six and seven. Yeah, I think that injury to Amari Cooper is probably going to keep him out. Um, Jack Del Rio is playing for his job, I think, more than the playoffs right now for Oakland. Um, Dallas is counting down to Zeke Elliott, but Rod Smith, what a surprise coming out of the backfield, doing everything, catching the ball, running the ball, blocking in the backfield as well, which is something that Dallas isn't used to seeing either. So I've got the Cowboys 27-17 to 17 over Oakland. I like the Dallas Cowboys, too, and the Oakland Raiders should never have uh, extended Jack Del Rio, never. I When he was defensive coordinator of the Broncos, he just made the worst possible calls at the worst possible time. He just wasn't meant to have this job. Uh, you know that Jack Del Rio is going to screw up one way or another. Uh, he should be gone, in my opinion, given the regression the Raiders have had from last year to this year. And last but not least, on Monday Night Football this week, the Atlanta Falcons, who are still very much at play to win the NFC South 
for a back-to-back title. Uh, travel to Tampa to take on the 4-9 but scrappy Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, however, I think the Falcons are going to win this game because the loss of Gerald McCoy, they'll be able to run the ball very well with uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, and that should be enough. Exactly. Tevin Coleman's in the concussion protocol. Um, they're not sure if he's going to be out yet. Andy Levitre, um, the great offensive lineman, is a little dinged up, and I still don't think it's going to make any difference. Uh, Tampa Bay is, as far as I'm concerned, the most disappointing team of the 2017 season. I really thought they were going to break out this year with Jameis Winston. So uh, easy win for Atlanta going away 30-14. to 14. Thank you very much for joining us once again, Hal. And we look forward to breaking down week 16 with you here next week. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crum. Be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests. For Hale Betts, our producer Chris Prada, and I'm David Cromwell saying so long and of course, stay awesome. Stay awesome.